0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Good Good to be in God's house with God's people. Someone say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus lady went to see a judge because she was afraid she was going to have to get a divorce. Judge asked her, ma'am, do you have any grounds? Yes, sir. We have two or three acres. <laughs> that's, that's not what I mean. I mean, do you have a grudge? No, sir. We could never afford a grudge. <laughs> so we, so we, we had to park outside. He said, no, no, that's not all what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm trying to say. Does he beat you up or something like that? No, sir. He's pretty lazy. I always get up before him. <laughs> the judge was flabbergasted. He didn't know how to get across to her. So he said, listen, I'm just asking you, why do you want a divorce? Your Honor, I don't want a divorce. He does. He says we're having trouble communicating. <laughs> Folks, we're in a series that we've called Home Wreckers, where we're trying to identify the threats facing our families today. The, the threats that have, that have the ability to kind of come in like a wrecking ball and destroy what God is trying to do in our lives. We've talked about the lack of knowledge. That's one of the wrecking balls. The Bible says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. There's the threat of the lack of commitment. Galatians 6.2 says that by helping each other without troubles, you are truly obeying the law of Christ. And I honestly, I just think that when it comes to the body of Christ and even in our homes, oftentimes we quit on each other too easily. Well, today is the third threat I think is facing our families from what I can see. And it's a lack of communication, a lack of communication. Pretty much in every survey surrounding the reasons for divorce or trouble in a relationship, in this country and around the world, lack of communication is always like the top 10, and sometimes it's in the top five. I would say that under that title would include probably ineffective communication and miscommunication, nonverbal communication. How many you know, How you know it's not just what you say, it's how you say it, right? Sometimes we communicate in our silence. You ever met someone who tends to send out mixed signals. I I call them yes, no people. They say one thing with their mouths and something totally different with their actions. Is everything okay? Yes, everything's fine. Are you sure? I said everything's fine. And you know they're saying one thing, but their, their tone and their behavior is saying something else. Or it's the dad who tells the kid I love you and makes promises to do things with the kid but never shows up. Someone say action speaks louder than words. Or it's the wife, and she may decide to really bless her husband by cooking his favorite meal chicken, cordon bleu, or maybe prime rib steaks or roast con whatever your thing is. She made it just for him. And when he gets home from a long, hard day, he could smell the meal, and immediately his taste bud starts to water. He sits down at the table, he doesn't say a word, but proceeds to clean his plate, savoring every bite and morsel. Absolutely loved it, but said nothing because he's in the middle of a food gasm. If you don't know what a food gasm is, it's when you put it in your mouth and your eyes roll up in your head. But she doesn't notice that because she hasn't said a thing. And now her mind starts to go, wow, I went out of my way to make his favorite meal. And he said nothing. He doesn't even appreciate what I do because she thinks he reads minds. And the dude doesn't even realize that he's been in an argument for 10 minutes and didn't even know it in her head. And so by the time it comes up, he's at a loss. You don't like my cooking, you don't appreciate anything I do, when in fact it's the exact opposite. But your lack of communication or your silence says something entirely different to her than what you meant to say. Happens more than we think. So the lack of communication in all its forms Inconsistent communication, nonverbal communication, these are all problems. And the prophet Amos put it this way. He said in Amos 3.3, he says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can two people walk together unless they are in agreement? Now think about that. In order for two people to walk together anywhere there has to be some kind of agreement even down to the McDonald's down the street you have to coordinate with your thoughts and your actions you need to agree in order for you to get there I'll meet you at this time or at that time I will take this road or that road this must be there's got to be open communication whether it's here or if we're we're going to Washington DC two people have to agree and communicate openly and so If that's true about going to the McDonald's, how many know it's even more true about communicating effectively in our relationships? And so this morning I'm going to give you six keys to good communication. And within that six keys, I'm going to give you six no-nos, six things that will absolutely bring a wrecking ball to your relationship if you use these techniques in your communication style. The six keys to good communication. uh, Key number one. Someone say timing is everything. Timing Timing is everything. We take a look at this picture. How many know that this is not an appropriate time to take a selfie? Where is she? How about this next one? This poor guy. That's an outhouse. And it's a balloon. (laughs) Wouldn't you hate to be in that? Matter of fact, probably not, it's not a good time in this country to be flying any balloons. <laughs> They're they shooting down everything. Well, in communication, timing is everything. Proverbs 25, 11 says, timely advice is as lovely as golden apples in a silver basket. It's not what you say, it's how and when you say it. Counselors and therapists all agree a good, Time to talk about what's bothering you, how many know is never right before you go to bed, because you're tired. you had a long day. You're laying in bed, you want to sleep, and oftentimes that's when people decide I'm going to unload on the other person. And it very seldom ends well. Proverbs 15:23 says, "Enjoy. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Amen? So timing is everything. But number two, understand this, that words matter. Words matter. I came across an article online written by a conservative blogger. Her name was Jenny Erickson a few years ago. And there was a thing, she said, 10 things to say if you want to destroy your marriage. And prior to releasing these 10 things, this is, she had a sister soldier moment of confession. And this is what she said. I'm just going to read it to you. She says, I've done a lot of reflecting recently on the demise of my marriage, especially since he never hit me, didn't call me names, and I have no reason to believe another woman was ever involved. So what the heck was so awful that I call it quits after 11 years and two kids? The only way I know how to describe it is death by a thousand cuts. There were never any big blow-ups or breakdowns, just a steady stream of nitpickiness and hostility and lack of respect and non-existent boundaries. Words matter, and left unchecked, they can eventually destroy a marriage. That was Jenny Erickson. And so I'm not going to give you all 10, but I am going to give you six of the 10 of things that she said. If you want to destroy your marriage, use these these phrases. Number one. If you're constantly using the words always and never, always and never. You always do this. You never do that. And the, the experts say that using the words always and never is always, never true or never, always true, which puts the other person on a defense. She said this is black and white thinking. It's called splitting and it's incredibly damaging to relationships. It just leads to feeling marginalized and categorized, and it's never always true. That's why it's a fight starter. The second thing you don't want to use in terms of good communication is, I'm sorry, but. You know people like that, right? I'm sorry, but. Nope. She says you're neither sorry, you're either sorry or you're not. The but negates the apology. And so oftentimes people will get into these conversations, these communications, and say, I'm sorry, but, and then they reverse it on you, right? <laughs> but you said this and you did that. Let's just agree that I'm sorry, but is not an apology at all. In fact, it's an insult. Another insult is I'm sorry, I'm not good enough for you. How many know that's manipulation? This is another non-apology that's even And I don't want anybody, you know, don't do this to anybody, you know. But she said it's another non-apology that's even worse than the first. This one removes any of the blame from the apologizer and puts it back on the other person for having unrealistic expectations. I am so sorry that I am not good enough for you. It's just all manipulation. It's all games. How about this four, the number four? Calm down. You're overreacting. Anybody find success with that one? I've used that one in the past. doesn't work that well. The experts suggest that we don't put each other's feelings or emotions down. It comes across as dismissive and it will, in many cases, elicit the opposite, <laughs> the opposite response. Um, the idea is if one of you is upset, the other should be concerned, and even if it appears trivial to you. So the use of calm down, um, you're overreacting, <laughs> especially in the heat of an argument, is not a good choice or strategy to actually get things calmed down. Number five, I'll get there when I get there, a.k.a. I don't know when I'll be home. Don't raise your hand. I call it also that I'm right around the corner, I'm right down the street, I'm five minutes away, and 45 minutes later you're still not there. Listen, stuff happens and schedules change, but being consistently inconsistent will drive your partner batty. And then the sixth one sighing, rolling your eyes, head shaking, eyebrow raising. Nobody ever does that, right? These are all nonverbal signs of contempt and are brutal when employed on a habitual basis in a relationship. Also very dismissive. And so instead, what does the Bible tell us to do? It says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, it says a wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Now, I want you to think, who in your family or your sphere of influence is longing to hear pleasant words from your mouth? Is it your husband, your wife, your children, your mom, your dad, grandparents? The people that God has put in your sphere of influence who desperately need encouraging words coming from you rather than put-downs. I, I, I have a woman that's been calling me for counseling. She's 35 years old, totally devastated to this day because the constant barrage of criticism and insults that are coming from her parents. 35. And she's, ha- she's struggling with even thoughts of suicide because it has, it has slammed so badly into her psyche. They say sticks and stones will break your bones but names could never harm you, that's a lie. Sticks and stones could break your bones and names could break your spirits. Be careful of the things that you're saying. We all have opportunities when we can speak pleasant words, but have you ever noticed that when those opportunities come, oftentimes they pass just as quickly as they come? I mean, have you ever thought to yourself, should I have said this or should I have not said that? and you didn't do it or you did, like the husband with the meal, and now the moment has passed. We all should be looking for opportunities, especially with each other, to speak pleasant words of encouragement to our husbands and our wives. My wife takes the opportunity whenever she's listening to my message at the end of the service, even if I know if I bomb, she she says, babe, you did great. And you know what that does in my spirit? It just lifts me up. I'm like, because she's my number one person that I care about, and what she thinks. And she, she's sure to tell me that I did all right. But who else needs to hear that they did great today? Or, or some word of encouragement from you. Your children, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. Even employers and employees this works for because words matter. And pleasant words, the Bible says, are like honeycombs, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Now... Conversely, my two oldest, they have children now of their own. And it tickles my wife and I when we when we hear our kids tell their kids the same things we told them when they were small and wanting something. You know how the kids do that? When they want something, they point and they pout and they cry. And what do you tell them? Use your words. Use your words rather than pointing and pouting and crying. Folks, that's something we could all stick with throughout our lives because pointing and pouting and crying are age appropriate for children only. It's getting quiet in here. And silence can easily be misinterpreted, it's not a good communication strategy. Yet I know a lot of people apply the silent treatment, they put people in bubbles when they're annoyed with them, and they ignore them. They literally walk right by them. They won't even give eye contact. won't say a word. That is childish. It's childish. Now, listen to me. Your spouse cannot read your minds or your children or the people around you. But Pastor Rick, I don't think they even care. I don't think she cares. I don't think he cares. Listen, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but what they won't be able to say is, They have no idea what's wrong with you, because you're walking around giving people a silent treatment. If I'm asking you what's wrong, nothing, nothing's wrong, and I know obviously something is wrong, and now you put me in the position of mind reader. Pastor Rick cannot read minds, neither can any of you, and so now what you do is you interpret, (laughs) you know, and a lot of times you 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 interpret. And you may get it wrong. Use your words, and may I suggest that when you do, make them pleasant. Timing is everything. Your words matter. Let me give you number three: Think before you speak. Think before you speak. Proverbs 29:11: Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Don't be foolish. Fools give full vent to your rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. How many know we don't have to verbalize everything that comes in our mind? Right? And I always tell people, you know, I was really understanding I'm just giving them a piece of my mind. Be careful. What do I always say? You you, you might need that piece one day. Proverbs 15, 7 says, only the wise can give good advice. Fools cannot. And and that's the problem today. Everybody thinks that they speak from Sinai. You know what that means? Who is the person we know who spoke from Sinai? God and Moses, right? And everyone thinks that their opinion is the most important opinion in the room. And the truth of the matter is it isn't. As the world is going, people truly think their words are gospel truth. But if it doesn't line up with biblical counsel, it's most likely just foolish advice. Not all advice is good advice. But the good news is that if you're not considered wise today, you can be tomorrow. You can be tomorrow. And this is how James tells us in James 1.5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should do what? Ask Oprah, Dr. Phil, the psychiatrist. Come on, somebody. Ask who? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all. Now watch this. I love this. Without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In other words, sometimes people don't go to other people for advice because you think it's a dumb question. And, you know, you don't want to be judged. And so you keep it to yourself and you don't ask for counsel. Well, the Bible says you can bring it to God, and guess what? He's not, he's not sitting up there saying, you big dummy, you didn't ask. He's saying, good good for you. That's very smart, that's very wise of you asking without finding fault. And I don't care if it's something you messed up on. He says, I'm not throwing stones. I blew it, daddy. Today, I, I said something I shouldn't have, what should I have done? Yeah, you did, but, but this is what I suggest next time you do. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, bring it to God. Now, let me just say, as wise as you think you may be, if you're not yet bringing it to God and obeying what he says in situations and circumstances, you're not as wise as you could be. Come on, somebody. My wife used to work for... Uh, uh, um, uh, what did he call himself? A marriage and family counselor. I shared this before. And he <laughs> wanted to find out, and that was his profession, that he was divorced like four or five times. I'm trying to figure out who, what marriage and family advice is this dude giving, that he is in business. The people can't know that going to him is going to help their marriage. Not all advice is good advice. Not all advice is from God. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. And God invites us to seek his wisdom on a whole range of subjects, including our speech, the things we say, our relationships, what not to say, and also when to receive. Which brings me to the third key, or the fourth key. We need to accept valid criticism. Accept valid criticism criticism read this one with me one two proverbs 25 12 one two three go valid criticism is as treasured by the one who heeds it as jewelry made from finest gold valid criticism is as treasured by the one who heeds it as jewelry made from finest gold listen to me thinking before we speak the Bible says is wisdom but so is receiving valid criticism. The Bible literally says it's as treasured as the one who heeds it as, as jewelry made from finest gold. Now, what's the difference between, let's say, costume jewelry and real real gold or, or, or gems? Help, help me out, somebody. What's the difference? It's value. It's value. It's value. We, we don't lock up costume jewelry generally or insure it against loss. Why? Because it's it's, easily replaceable, right? Unless it's got some kind of sentimental attachment to it. You know, you're not going to have a problem if you lost it or if it broke. But, but if, you, if, if it was some piece of gold, the other day I went to, the, to Publix to go, to go shopping. We, we had a dinner engagement that we were going to. I had to pick up uh, the, the, uh, the dessert and some flowers and all those other things. And I went through the store and got a few more things for the house. And when I got back to the car and I got into the car, I realized that my gold ring had slipped off. Now, it wasn't a, a fake gold thing. It was a real gold thing. And so I had given myself just enough time to get to that dinner engagement with my wife. What do you think I did? Did I get, get in the car and just keep going? I got back out of the car. <laughs> I retraced Every step that I took, I went down the egg aisle. I went down the milk aisle. I went down the, the thing aisle. I went, to, I went to the orange juice. I went to the desserts. I went, even went in the flowers where I reached for the flowers. I thought maybe it dropped off in there. Then I went to the cashier. I went to the place where I looked. Went back to the car, looked again. Prayed a little prayer. I got in the car I said, Lord, please, Lord. Let me find this thing. But even if I don't, whoever gets it, let it bless them. Let it bless them. The next day I found it in the back of my car. (laughs) But my point is simple. Listen, would I have gone through all that for costume jewelry? No. No. It was the value. And in the same way, we should treat wise criticism, wise advice the same way. The Bible says if you are getting wise advice, wise criticism, treat it and treasure it like fine gold. And then someone would say, well, Pastor Rick, well, how do I know if it's criticism that's valid or wise? I'm so glad you asked. That's a good question. And me give you three ways. Number one. Is the criticism coming from people who love you, who care for you, who want to see the best for you. Proverbs 27.6 says, The slap of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. And so if the person who's giving you the criticism, your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your pastor, the the people who are in in your community with you actually love you, and they're giving it to you, giving you criticism about something that you're doing or saying or some behavior that you're... Don't just dismiss it. Treat it like gold. Number one. That's the number one way. But let me tell you something. The second way is, are you hearing the same thing from different sources? Are you hearing the same thing from different people? Proverbs 15, 22, I'm going to read it in the New Living, the message in the King James. This is what it says. It says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many counselors bring success. The message says, refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And so, what I'm saying, if it's if it's stuff that you keep hearing from this, uh, that you keep hearing the same thing from from different sources and sources that you that you trust. If you keep hearing that you're drinking too much from the people who love you, or, or you're partying too much or you've got anger issues, or you need help fi- uh, handling your finances, if you keep hearing that you're dating the wrong type of people, that's why you're running into these issues, or, or maybe you should get m- uh, marriage or personal counseling, if you keep hearing that your behavior or your attitude in a certain area really stinks, really bad, then you need to give it more heed, because these are not people who are, who are out to get you. These are probably what God is using to, to let you know that this area of your life needs to be addressed. This is how you know if the advice you're getting should be treasured like fine gold. And if you're hearing it and all it manages to do is to get you upset at the messenger's, Like Pastor Sean says during our our meetings, our prayer meetings, you know, Pastor Rick's going to give a message today. Don't shoot the messenger. I am just bringing you what the Word of God says. I've had people literally get upset with me. They thought I was talking to their husbands or their wives. You made a message specifically for me. Why Why would you do that and get insulted? And I'm like, I did not make a message specifically for you. I made a message that God put on my heart to give, if it hits you in between the eyes and if it's something that you're hearing over and over again, it will be wise for you to listen because if you're going to continually dismiss good advice or God advice, you are being foolish and your plans are destined to fail. So if it's something that you're hearing from people who love you, if it's something that it's be, you're hearing from multiple sources and it's the same thing. But let me give you the third, and probably one of the most important ways. Is the advice that you are getting biblical? Is it biblical? 1 Corinthians 15, Don't be fooled by those who say such good things for bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 16.25, some people think they're doing right, but in the end, it leads to death. Again, not all so-called good advice is God advice. There would be those who would say it makes sense to live with someone before you marry them. The guys in my day used to say, you you know, why buy the cow unless you sample it first? That's what they used to say. So, so, so. Is that the advice you're going to go with or are you going to go with what God says? And so consequently, people ignore what the Bible says and statistically only a small number of those who opt to quote-unquote shack up before marriage make it even to the altar. And, and a, a surprisingly high number of those who do make it to the altar have a higher divorce rate than those who don't go through what the world says to go through in terms of shacking up before you get married. Some people, so-called good advice is if you get pregnant and you feel you're not ready, just have an abortion. Well, the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You you were knit together in your mother's womb before you were born. He says, I knew you. What they call a a good idea of abortion under man, the the Bible talks about the taking or the shedding of human blood. You're either going to listen to what the world says or you're going to listen to what God says. The world says that that be who you are. And if you're a man and you think you're a woman or or vice versa, unto thine own self be true. Now, I know Shakespeare was the one that coined that phrase, but Anton LaVey adopted it as his personal. You know who that is? Anton LaVey is credited for starting the satanic church. And so I went to look him up on my computer in my office and as I looked, put his name in and I hit go my computer locked up and it uploaded a virus figures now finally I just got out of that and found some other information on him and supposedly he had a most unpleasant experience at his deathbed he was crying out what did I do wrong what did I do wrong I was wrong with what I did in this life, folks, don't let that be your deathbed cry. That I lived the life of unto my own self be true, only in the end to find out, yes, you missed the boat altogether. Either way, the Bible has things to say. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5, it says, A woman, listen, is not to wear male clothing and a man is not to put on a woman's garment. For everyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord your God. But what has society does, society has normalized the putting on of things that the Bible calls detestable. Listen to me. I don't want my granddaughters competing with men in swimming pools. Come on, somebody. I don't want them sharing locker rooms and bathrooms with confused men who, who, who can't, you know, figure out, you know, what gender they are. And some of them are, 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 are just predators. That's what got that father so upset on the news. In the Looting County schools, he sought to, they, they sought to pass a controversial transgender policy in June, and it concealed that a ninth-grade girl was allegedly raped by a gender-fluid student in a school bathroom just three weeks prior. To, uh, uh, just three weeks prior. Now, what happened? This guy shows up to the to the uh, to the board meeting and he's objecting to this new transgender rule, and he's doing it on the basis of it. It was his 15-year-old daughter that went into the bathroom, and a dude in a skirt walked in behind her and raped her. And they uh, put the hush on it like nothing happened. In June, LCPs lectured the public for worrying about a, a red herring saying that the district had zero bathroom assaults on record and they quietly transferred the boy, the same boy, charged in the, in the May 28th assault to a new school. And on October 6th, he was arrested for a new sex assault inside a classroom uh, uh, again at a different school. Because they're pushing all this nonsense, and it's creating unsafe environments for our teenage girls. Understand what's going on. They've rejected the word of the Lord. They've embraced perversion, and your children and your grandchildren have become the guinea pigs. And if you object, like this father did, they arrested him, and this government labeled the parents who objected, they labeled them domestic terrorists. I was going through social media, and they had another kid in high school get arrested because he said, There are only two genders. Arrested. And so on that same news report, I wrote, There are only two genders. And I got flagged. That's how quickly we've gone. And I've been preaching this for years and years and years. And we are now living in this utopian madness. That's how quickly we've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous when we remove the standard of God's word from our society. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end of thereof leads to destruction. Proverbs 9.10, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One results in understanding. So number one, timing is everything. Number two our words matter so think before you speak number 3 listen to valid criticism from the people who who love you if you're hearing multiple sources of the same thing and you want to ask yourself is it biblical is it biblical let me give you a fifth one correct in love correct in love Correct in love. Proverbs twelve eighteen. it says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring what? Healing. Bring healing. Ephesians 4, 14 says, Then we will no longer be babies, but we will not be tossed about like a ship that, w- that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and they try any kind of trick to fool people into following the wrong path. This was going on then, okay? Verse 15, he says, No, what we do is, speaking the truth with love, we will grow up in every way into Christ, who is the head. And so it tells us that truth speech with love results in spiritual growth. That is to say, what you say, what we say, and how we say it matters. What we say and how we speak to each other matters, especially in our homes, in our communities, in our churches. It all matters. And it goes on to say it's going to determine the spiritual growth in our lives and the lives of those around us, or the opposite. If we don't get a handle on the things that we're saying or this area of communication, it will deter or discourage the people around us. Let me give you the last and final one. Probably one of the most important ones. we got to get to the place in terms of this communication where we learn to listen. Learn to listen. How many of us have, have been in arguments, or should we say uh, heated discussions? Because no, I know none of you guys argue with anybody. Where we are no longer listening to what the other person is saying, but we're thinking about and waiting for them to stop so we can rebut what they're saying. Don't raise your hand. I know I've done it. <laughs> you're just thinking, okay, when are they going to stop? And you're not really listening. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, the wave of fool seems right to him, but a wise man does what? Listens to advice. James 119. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be, help me, help me, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now a lot of us have it backwards. We're slow to listen, we're quick to speak, and we're quick to become angry. Come on somebody. But the Bible says, my pastor used to say, there's a reason why God gave us one mouth and two ears. Because he wants us to get to the place where we're listening. And I always suggest when it comes to communicating with the person that you love that you there's a technique uh, uh, I call it mirroring where the person is talking and maybe they're sharing their grief and rather than thinking about what you're gonna say next listen to what they say and then reflect back what they said so let me understand what you're telling me is X Y and Z and then And then ask the question, is that correct? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, then please explain it again. When they say explain it again, okay, so this is what you're saying. Is that correct? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, well, this is how I feel. And then you go into your explanation. And so if you mirror back and forth and you take the time to actually listen rather than just think about what you're saying, you know, so so that you can win your argument, so here's the problem with, with winners. If you always have to be the winner, that means someone is going to lose. And if the loser is your significant other, well, the Bible says the two shall become one. So who, in fact, have actually lost? If you think you win and your spouse thinks they've lost, you've both lost. And so the goal should be win-win and not win loose. And even concerning salvation, the Bible says it's only those who have an ear to hear. Often Jesus would say, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. It's only those who have ears to hear can be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, consequently faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And so God puts out his call to us and he says, listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. He says, today if you hear my voice, he says, don't harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. Because what they did was they, they, they stopped listening to the, word, the voice of the Lord. They stopped listening to the word of the Lord. And I personally believe that God is always talking. It's not an issue of what is God talking. I, I always believe, firmly believe it's, it's an issue of us not listening. And, 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 and the scripture rightly diagnoses the problem. He says what happens when you continually shut down the voice of the Lord, there's a, there's a callousness that comes over your heart. Your heart literally becomes harder. And it's not that God is not calling you or talking to you or giving you instructions. It's just that you're not listening. I heard a a lady give a testimony the other day, and she gave a testimony about how she was going down the street in a a car with her um, her family member. And all of a sudden she hears, and, and the plan was to turn right on such and such a street. And as she's driving down the street, she hears this voice, don't turn right, turn left, don't turn right, turn left. And she turned around she, there's no voice. But it was such an urgent thing that she turned to her husband and said, don't turn right, turn left. And he just obediently just turned left. And in that moment, they turned left, they heard a, a 7 car pileup happen on the right side. And several people died. And then somebody come back and asked, well, that's awesome, but why do you think God spoke to you and didn't speak to them? And her response was, how do you know he didn't? How do you know he didn't? I don't think it's an issue that God is not speaking. I think that we get to the place where we just stop listening. God is always calling out. And the voice of the Lord, because of the hardness of our hearts, becomes less and less and less. And so that's why he said, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. God's got to call out. It's only those who hear God's voice and respond to it can even be saved. Is God speaking to you? Is he calling you to come into a personal commitment with him? Have you done so yet? If not, why not? Pastor Rick, uh, uh, I'm young. I'll I'll do it tomorrow. No. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Not to one person. I got a call from a dear friend whose youth was, was one of my youth back in the day, and he got off track and got into drugs. Beginning of the year, we were praying for him in the, in the small group Bible study. Got hit by a car, two cars. She called me yesterday. Died. In his 30s. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You surrender your life to Christ. If you've not yet done that, it's not hard. It's acknowledging that you have blown it. You're a sinner and you need a Savior, and Jesus came to die for your sins. And it's putting your faith in him and, and the finished work of Calvary that he died and paid the penalty for your sins and my sins so that we don't have to. Jesus went to a cruel cross, not because of his sins, it's for our sins. For God so loved you and me that he gave his one and only son. That if you believe, if I believe, we will not perish but have eternal life. If you've not yet done that, and you would like to, it would be my privilege and my honor to facilitate you, your communication with the Father in saying yes to him. Let's everyone bow our heads, close our eyes. Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge today that I've messed up in in more than one area. I haven't always done what's right. I've sinned. also recognize that you are good and you're gracious and that you sent your son to pay the penalty for my sins and I'm thankful for that. Today I ask your forgiveness and I ask you to come into my life, to come into my heart, to fill me with your spirit and your presence and your love and to help me to make a a long commitment to you and following you. Thank you for dying on the cross three days later, rising from the dead. And because you live, I shall live as well. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.